Welcome to another episode of Follow the Brand. I am your host, Grant McGaw, CEO of Five Star BDM, a five-star personal branding and business development company. I want to take you on a journey that takes another deep dive into the world of personal branding and business development using compelling personal stories, business conversations, and tips to improve your personal brand. By listening to the Follow the Brand podcast series, you will be able to differentiate yourself from the competition and allow you to build trust with prospective clients and employers. You never get a second chance to make a first impression. Make it one that will set you apart, build trust, and reflect who you are. Developing your five-star personal brand is a great way to demonstrate your skills and knowledge. If you have any questions for me or my guests, please email me at grant.mcgaugh, spelled M-C-G-A-U-G-H, at 5star BDM, B for brand, D for development, M for masters.com. Now let's begin with our next five-star episode on Follow the Brand. Hello, and thank you for tuning in to another episode of Follow the Brand. I am your host, Grant McGall. Today, my guest, Mark Dickinson, asks, how do you measure the success of your personal brand? As the chief marketing officer for a national healthcare organization, Mark knows branding defines character, tone, strength, with a clearly defined value proposition. One of the critical factors that affect your brand is how you spend your time and who you spend your time with. Mark says it is essential to learn to get a broader perspective and drive your life to a point where opportunity meets preparation. Mark Dickinson is a seasoned leader with more than 25 years of management experience. He is the chief marketing officer at Chinmen, a leader in bringing value-based concierge-style healthcare to the neediest populations. In this role, he is responsible for all marketing and advertising efforts to grow the number of patients Chinmen serves. Mark is also accountable for utilizing public relations to expand Chinmen's notoriety and influence across all segments of the healthcare community. Mark has a deep consumer marketing and finance background with an established reputation for delivering sustained profitability across diverse industries. His strategic, creative, and critical thinking balance has enabled Mark to lead major enterprise-wide growth initiatives from conception to completion. Before joining TenMed, Mark spent more than a decade leading marketing in the membership business at AAA. He is credited with leading double-digit growth in AAA membership and insurance policy sales over four years. Mark is recognized as an insightful and thoughtful leader. At its 110th annual meeting in 2013, AAA honored him with a special award recognizing his leadership and fostering collaboration among AAA clubs across the U.S. and Canada. In 2012, Dickinson was voted by the top 100 leaders in his company who most exemplified the organization's core values of teamwork, respect, integrity, and quality. Before AAA, Mark spent many years consulting companies in the healthcare, energy, and financial services industries with Accenture and CSC. Mark earned an MBA at Harvard Business School, an MPP at Harvard Kennedy School, 
and a bachelor's degree with honors in finance at Penn State. Let's give a warm welcome to Mark Dickinson on the Follow the Brand Show, where we are building a five-star brand that you can follow. Welcome, everyone. I want to, you've got to see my next guest. I hope you get an opportunity to see him on video, even though this is a podcast and it's over audio. Mr. Mark Dickinson, he sits in a beautiful office over here in Miami, Florida. I've been there a few times. And one thing that always stands out about his his office is his love for the Philadelphia Eagles. I I don't know too many people that just truly love their football team as much as, as he does, but he hails from the great state. Of Pennsylvania, he has no, no, nothing's barred from the conversation when it comes to his beloved Eagles and what he wants to talk about. You know, this this is a branding show, right? It's a business development show. Um, but if he gets on here and starts talking about the Eagles, do not be dismayed. Uh, this is what is part of his passion and what he is all about. But I want to welcome Mr. Uh, uh, Mark Dickinson who has been a part of the Chinmet family for a number of years. He's the chief marketing officer there. And we're going to just have a casual conversation about himself, about the industry, and how we can actually gain some knowledge from that. So without further ado, Mr. Mark Dickinson. Hey, good afternoon, Grant. How are you? Thanks for that generous introduction. <laughs> I try to do you, know, do you some justice. And we had a Thank conversation you. three years ago when I was president of Nazi Florida, you enlightened me on some things that I thought was impactful. You know, we, we were just getting started and, and I had the opportunity to talk to you. One thing that always stood out for me is the way, cause I said, you know, you, you come from Philly, you're outside of Philly how, and you go to Harvard. I'm like, how did you do that? What did you do? And you talked about branding. Can you elaborate on that? Well, uh, sure. I'll, I'll try to, first of all, uh, back to the, the to the Philly thing, uh, you know, Philly's not just a place; it's 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 a concept, you know. Uh, and you, as you can probably see behind me, uh, that that uh, picture on the wall is actually all of the stadiums that the Philadelphia Eagles have played in since the beginning of the franchise. So, yeah, you're right. I am a little bit uh, of a of a Philly sports uh, maniac. I love Philadelphia and its sports, but you know. What I, what I realized um, as I was coming out of high school and starting college was that uh, I have to find an anchor uh, that I can build on to become successful in life. Um, I had high aspirations. I had big dreams. In fact, I'll never forget, I love cars. And I had this poster on the wall in my dorm room of all these exotic cars and garage doors, you know, garage open garage doors and exotic cars. I'm like, the caption was justification for higher education. And, you know, for me, I'm like, well, how am I going to get from where I am today to a point where I can do more than just dream about something like buying an exotic car? And, uh, you know, intelligence was the thing that sort of sprung forward for me. I, you know, I've got a brain. My brain worked well enough for me to get into college. Maybe if I put the turbochargers behind it, it can help propel me even further. And so it really kind of guided the decisions that I made in terms of how I spent my time and the kind of people that I associated myself with. Um, And when we get to talk further about branding, both those things impact your brand. How do you spend your time and who do you spend your time with? 
it all gets mixed up into creating a brand around who you are and what people can expect from you. But I made intelligence something that I focused on for my brand very early on. Well, man, and I love the the intro when you talk about intelligence, you talked about brand, and you talked about the Philadelphia Eagles. Like, I guess that's all together, and that's an exotic car, because that'll take you places, and it's taking you a lot of different places. So I got a question for you, and that is, if you had to talk to someone right now that wants to pursue a career, I've, I've talked to a number of different people and say, yeah, I want to be a chief marketing officer. And I'm like, well, 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 no. Do you know what that's all about? And you are a chief marketing officer. You've been, you know, in several different roles in, in your career. Uh, what would you say to somebody that wants to pursue a career similar to yours? Well, um, it's interesting. I guess I, I guess I would say a couple things. Um, you know, the first might be if you're interested in becoming. Uh, you know, the, 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 the head marketing leader in an organization. Um, pathway number one is to really spend your time understanding how um, products are bought and sold, understanding consumer motivations and behavior, <clears throat> understanding how, how markets work, um, so sort of from an, from an economics point of view. I think a lot of those um, things come together in informing a point of view about marketing and can actually help you, even if you're starting as a, as a marketing analyst in a company, it can help you get a broader perspective and picture on, on the process. So that's pathway number one. And then you continue to, to, to grow and to learn and to, to take promotions up the ladder uh, to a point of leadership. But the other pathway that I think is equally viable, and it's actually the one that, that worked for me was kind of having a plan, but then being open and flexible to follow opportunities. Um, you know, for me, my marketing journey started in the early 2000s when I was a finance leader um, at a company. And so here I, I was responsible for things like, you know, treasury and risk management. And the CEO approached me one day and said, you know what, Mark, um, you seem like someone who might be good at marketing kinds of ideas, even though you've not really worked in marketing. Um, is that something that might interest you? I'm looking at making a change in our marketing leadership team. And I said, gee, I never really thought hard about it, but I've always been fascinated by marketing, even though I wasn't working as a marketer. Um, so we agreed that I would give it a try. And that was, I think, in... 2001, 2002. And so 20 years ago, that was sort of how I got into marketing. And I found that once I started to really immerse myself and, and, and you know, study great marketing organizations and, you know, how do they do things? How do they understand what works and what doesn't? How do they measure success, et cetera? The more I loved marketing, uh, what I came to love most about marketing was the fact that it's so analytical. Most people think about the creative sides of marketing. Yeah, there's creative, there's fun and funny commercials and you know great graphic imagery and things like that. But at the end of the day, you have to measure how well it works. And there are a lot of analytics that come into play in measuring marketing effectiveness. And I fell in love with that first. And then I worked my way back into some of the more creative aspects of marketing to 
to give me sort of that full range picture of a marketing leader. So um, I guess to sum it up, Grant, there are multiple paths to getting to where I am. One is you're young and you, you just, you know, declare marketing as your pathway and you try to learn as much as you can and take promotions along the way. Get mentors, you know, get folks who you really look up to and, and take it one step at a time. And the other is, you know, I was in the middle of my career and I just had an opportunity. And you know how folks say, you know, luck is where, you know, opportunity meets preparation. Well, I got lucky. You know, I, I um, was prepared uh, and I had an opportunity that just presented itself and I took it. And, you know, that was 20 years ago and I'm still loving, you know, what I do. That is so interesting. So you, if I'm hearing you right, you're saying you did not go to school for marketing. Were you a finance major? Were you a business major? I sure was. I majored in finance with a minor in economics. And my, uh, my, my jobs that I took after college, all the way up to that finance leadership role, were in sort of either economics or finance. Um, I spent a while as a management consultant. But, but, but never doing marketing assignments, even when I was a management consultant. Um, I was doing sort of process management. I was doing different kinds of, of assignments, but, but I literally had never worked in marketing. So, you know, sometimes though, I'll tell you, Grant, sometimes, you know, how you show up uh, and how you carry yourself with people can say even more than your resume and your background. In other words, the CEO, when he when he called me out, he saw something in me that could become a marketing leader that wasn't evident by my history and my background. Maybe it's because I dressed well and I presented myself well. Well, you know, marketing is all about presentation. So if you don't present yourself well, how are you going to present the company well? So who knows what it was, but there were cues that he took from my personal brand that caused him to say, I want to pluck this guy to lead marketing for us because I think he's got it in him, even though he's never done it. I think that is so interesting. And when you look at the definition, even of a chief marketing officer, it, it'll tell you that your primary goal is to generate sales for the organization. That's the metric, right? And I guess you you move around, you do certain things, and then you're, you've got something that's measurable and then manageable. And having that finance uh foundation that financial foundation i think is it's wonderful because that, that's that's now obviously that's the way we we measure growth and and success wanted to know because i know my my audience wants to know i wanted to know this i, I couldn't wait to have this interview with you because i want to understand the difference and you kind of alluded to it already what is the difference between branding and marketing well you know those two terms are are often used interchangeably but there is a nuance, um, a difference between the two. Branding is really all to, all about defining who you are. You know, it's it's largely an, an internal exercise. So whether you're whether you're branding yourself or you're branding a company, branding is about defining. You know, the the character, the tone, the strengths. What what, what do you want to exude or to come through? Uh, when the particular asset that you're going to market is presented, the product, the service, the person. That's the brand, right? 
Marketing is sharing that branding with the world. So marketing is the verb. Brand, brand is sort of a noun. Marketing is the verb. You know, we, we take the brand and then we then we promote it through various channels, whether it's digital or social or outdoor television, radio, print, what have you. That's that's marketing. But brand, but branding is a is an important first step, right? You you don't want to get out and start marketing something that hasn't been clearly defined in terms of the brand. The brand is the promise that is being made. Like what should the consumer expect to get when they buy whatever you're selling? That's that's the brand, that's the proposition. So you have to define the brand first um, and then you've got something that you can market. Does that make sense? Does that help? That makes a hundred percent. Cause I, I see the like branding is, is an exercise, it's a strategy. You have to understand it. And then when you promote it, you you expand upon it. You begin to communicate it to someone else that's the actual marketing. That's the doing uh, of uh, of that service. I, I like that. So now I got a good question for you because I want to, as I look at in the in the Mark Dickinson world, how do you define your brand? Boy, how do I define my brand? Um, I'll tell you. Um, from a personal brand perspective, these are really characteristics. Right, that, that that I hold as really important and dear to me, and they're ones that if someone were to ask, "Do you know Mark Dickinson? Do you know that guy? You ever meet him? You ever spend any time with him?" Someone said yes. These would be things that I hope they'd say about me. So that 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 that, that defines my brand. The first thing is uh, trustworthiness. I'm trustworthy. In other words. You don't have to listen to what I say. You can just watch what I do and you'll and you'll affirm that that I'm trustworthy. If you if I say something, it's what I mean and it's what I'll what I'll do. Uh, so that's the first aspect of my brand. The second aspect is um, that I'm reliable. Uh, you know, I was when I when I was just out of college, I volunteered with the Big Brothers, Big Sisters organization in Washington, D.C., where I was working. And <clears throat> I was a big brother to two uh, young boys uh, in, in the district. And, you know, we'd get together uh, one or two times a week. I'd help them with their homework. I'd take them on little field trips and we'd do things together. Uh, and I'd just sort of talk to them, just, you know, just sharing my experience, trying to be a big brother. And I, I did this for the, for the three years that I was working in Washington. And then I got into graduate school and needed to leave Washington to go um, up to Harvard to do uh, my graduate work. And I'll never forget sitting down with the boys and telling them that, you know, I was really sad, but I was going to have to uh, leave, you know, them. And um, I was confident that they would be Become, you know, phenomenally successful men and, you know, they're really on a good path and keep up the great work. And, you know, um, the older boy who was 12 at the time, he broke down crying when I told him that I was leaving. And I, you know, I, I felt bad. I knew it was probably going to be difficult for them, but I didn't quite know why. And when I, I said, Stefan, you know, man, I, I feel really bad. Don't cry. It's going to be okay. And 
what he told me next really solidified my commitment to uh, sort of my second brand uh, principle, which is reliability. He says, you know what? He says, you're the first and only person in my life who has always done exactly what you said you would do. So if you told me that you were going to be here to pick me up on Saturday at 3 p.m., I could set my watch by that. You were going to be here and you were going to be here Saturday at 3 p.m. And we were going to do what what it is you said we would do. And just the impact that, that a small thing called reliability had on this young boy's life it, it, it sealed it for me that that's actually pretty important. And it's not something to take for granted that people can count on you to be reliable. Uh, and that goes for your personal life as well as your professional life. And then third, the third part of my personal brand um, that I sort of lean on is, is just um, graciousness. I, I, I believe that, uh, you know, life, uh, life's hard enough for all of us. Um, we need to afford um, one another a measure of grace. Um, you know, somebody had grace with us that helped us to get to where we are in life uh, through all the mistakes and challenges that we had. And we need to extend grace to others. So I would hope that um, among other things, when it comes to my brand, um, it could be said that I'm trustworthy, I'm reliable, and I'm gracious. Oh, man. This episode is brought to you by Five Star BDM. Five Star BDM is a professional consulting and advisory group keenly focused on business development services for small to mid-sized businesses and entrepreneurs. Although every business is unique, they often share challenges that can be addressed through smart branding. Services include process improvement and operations, digital strategy and transformation, business intelligence, digital marketing, and personal branding. Our five-star business and personal branding company has helped a number of professionals and organizations to optimize and grow. The result is more business, more opportunities, better reach, positive outcomes. Please visit www.5starbdm.com to learn more and view all the episodes of Follow the Brand. Very good attributes. I would say in my interactions with you, I would definitely come away with all, all of that. I would also probably add to that you are a great teacher mm-hmm. and that you are, are willing to share your time with, with others to, to educate them and to give them an opportunity to uh, further their particular, their particular brand and, okay. and, and make sure you put your best foot uh, forward, I think is what I'm saying. You, you, you want to be able to, uh, to do that. And one of the things I'm very intrigued with now and, and what's going on in your world is that outside of yourself, the, your family's involved in, in some marketing. They're, they're doing something. I wouldn't even say it's marketing. They're, they're producing a product that they need to market that it, it's, it's on the wire. Things are happening. You're telling me you didn't have a lot to do with it. I think you did something, but if you can just elaborate, what, what, what's going on in the Dickinson family? Sure, sure. Well, I'll tell you, I've, I've been, I'm proud of, of my wife and, and all my children. But um, 
Uh, I think the the one that that sort of stands out right now that you're probably referring to is my oldest daughter, Marquia, and my wife, Debbie, um, two years ago, they started a business um, called Thermaband uh, to really create a solution for um, those who suffer with thermal discomfort. Um, Thermal discomfort meaning being uncomfortably hot or cold in, in an environment. You know, lots of lots of folks come into an office like I'm in and they're cold every day because the powers that be have the air conditioning units turned up too high for them. Um, That's thermal discomfort. There are there are women who go through, you know, that that phase of life called menopause, who frequently have hot hot flashes and night sweats. Um, That's thermal discomfort. There are folks recovering from chemotherapy um, who experience thermal discomfort. It's a it's a big problem for, for, for lots of consumers um, across the globe. And Debbie and Marquia set out through Thermaband to create a solution that would be um, technologically enabled and sort of at the same time, sophisticated and elegant to wear. So something that was a sort of a tech enabled wearable that could bring thermal um, comfort to those suffering. And uh, the product that they develop is called the Thermaband Zone, uh, as in you want to be in the right zone. You want to be in your zone where you're comfortable. And uh, they've really been blessed over the past, particularly over the past uh, six to eight months with um, just a lot of good um, energy and notoriety coming their way. In fact, just today, Forbes magazine released an article in which Debbie is featured. uh, And I believe the title of the article is something like eight uh, female entrepreneurs that are that are sort of shaping the eight hundred billion dollar menopause market. Uh, And a couple of weeks ago, they were featured in in Cosmopolitan's October issue uh, as one of um, 10 uh, black female entrepreneurs who are reshaping the C-suite. Uh, and, you know, Google uh, <clears throat> startup has made an investment in their company. I could go on and on. They've really gotten some good traction. But uh, uh, and so I'm proud of them. And, and, and Grant, it's true. I, I wish I could say that, that I were mastermind of all of this, but but I'm really not. I, I, I obviously serve on their board. Um, I give them my time and my talent when I'm asked. But but Marquia and uh, her mother my wife, Debbie, really are driving something special. And, uh, and I'm looking forward to the impact that it'll have um, on those who are suffering thermal discomfort um, when the product actually hits the market in early 2022. Excellent. Excellent. I can't wait for that either. And I'm going to segue into something because I think it's important because you're in that world of healthcare. You just talked about it. That is an issue and that probably hasn't gotten a lot of light. So, Kudos to your, your wife, your daughter, who see that. They, maybe they have known people that have suffered through some of these types of things or they're, or they're doing it themselves. But in your world of ChinMed, ChinMed is a national provider of healthcare, specifically for, in that realm of, of, of people on Medicare, the elderly, some of the more disadvantaged when it comes to uh, uh, affordability and things of that nature. And you're growing a brand throughout the nation that especially now through this two year, almost two years of, of COVID, 
that people have put a lot of light on the disparity of care, specifically a lot of people who are elderly, a lot of people who are, are, are of color and that type of thing. You must be putting together some kind of mark because you've got to relate to that story of that person who's out there who needs your service. And if you had an opportunity to talk to them through my show and follow brand, what would you say? Well, I, I guess the first thing I would say is, you know, healthcare in this country has um, unfortunately long been mostly centered on the healthcare system and feeding and nurturing the healthcare system. What I mean by that is <clears throat> this sort of fee for service um, healthcare system that we have predominantly today um, feeds on, you know, lots of healthcare services being provided, tests, screens, and procedures, <clears throat> medications, and the like. That's what feeds it. And what <clears throat> What value-based care as a model of healthcare does, which is what we engage in, it sort of turns that on its head and says, <clears throat> we're going to focus our healthcare on you, the patient. We're going to get a sort of comprehensive understanding of your health and of your health needs, and then work proactively to try to improve your health and to keep you healthy. Uh, and, you know, interestingly, that's not the way the traditional healthcare system is set up to work. The traditional healthcare system is set up to catch you when you're sick. Something goes wrong, you've got an issue, something starts hurting really bad, you go in, the healthcare system fixes it. Where how we approach it is we want to help you avoid things going wrong. We want to help you, you know, again, get healthier and stay healthy so that you can enjoy number one, more healthy days which are sort of days where you're not laying in a hospital bed, for example, and also enjoy uh, more productive years of life. Um, you know, I don't know many folks who wouldn't rather spend, you know, 10 years with their grandkids as opposed to two years with their grandkids. Uh, more is better if you're living uh, a good and healthy life. And that's what we at Chen Med um, work hard every day to, to deliver for our patients. Man, that, that's wonderful. And I'm very glad that you're, you're doing that. Uh, I've got a lot of elderly people in my family and these types of things you, you think about, like you said, until you have an emergency or something to that effect, you don't engage with the healthcare system. You're not very knowledgeable of it. And then you just don't know what you're, you're going to experience. So it feels good that you, you know, you're working with an organization that truly cares about you and wants you, they're incented for you to be healthy. I think that's, I think that yeah. that's wonderful. It's wonderful. Yes. Well, you know, Grant, on on that point, um, that's an important point. Um, we don't make money by writing, you know, more scripts or by making more referrals to specialists or by having patients come into our offices more times throughout the year. Um, in, in, in fact, we lose money when too much healthcare is consumed. Right? We're what's called a full global risk provider, which means that we take a capitated payment from the government to care for a patient. And then we're responsible for all of the costs of caring for the patient. So the incentives are aligned to try to help a patient, you know, be as healthy as they possibly can, because setbacks are expensive. They're expensive 
for us, but they're also expensive for the patient who has to endure, you know, um, the discomfort of time away from their home in a hospital or other um, setting. And, you know, in, in a state where they're not feeling, you know, fully fulfilled. So, so for us, it's an important uh, sort of nuance that the incentives really are aligned for, so that when the patient feels good, the patient's healthy, we do better as a business. Um, and, and that's how it should be. We shouldn't do well, even though our patients are doing poorly. Absolutely. 100% agree with that. Uh, we're getting to the end of this uh, particular episode, which has been phenomenal. I really thank you for taking the time to speak to us. Before we leave, I would like you to, uh, there's probably some questions I have not asked you that you might want to talk about that, you know, and specifically, if you were talking to that person who's maybe they just got done with their undergrad, Maybe they're looking at a graduate. They're looking to do something in their career. How would you frame a conversation for uh, some inspiration to to help them move that ball forward? Well, you know, um, I guess the first thing I would say, you know, given the perspective I have at this stage in my career is, wow, wow really take a moment to embrace the, you know, the, 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 the incredible opportunities that are in front of you at this stage of your career, uh, because you're just starting. Uh, you, you don't, um, I, I like to think about a career uh, similar to a cumulative grade point average in, in school. You know, once you're, once you're a junior going into your senior year, if you've got a, a 2.4 cum, you're probably not going to graduate with a 3.5. The math just won't work. Um, so your, your biggest opportunity is at the beginning when the slate is clean, right? When you're a freshman, you have no cumulative average. You're putting points on the board and you're really driving the direction uh, of, of your um, destiny. Same with a career. Uh, that first opportunity or two that you take when you graduate uh, are, it's almost like you're a free agent. You can choose any direction you like. And guess what? If you choose a direction and then you decide mm, that wasn't for me, I'm going to pivot. That's okay. It's no cost. Why? Because what? It's a, it's a year or two, maybe three years of what will be a long career. So, so don't be afraid to say, oh, I got that wrong. I'm going to pivot and move in a different direction because you don't have many credits on your cue. It's good to experiment. It's good to figure out the kind of work you like to do and it gives you passion, the kind of people you like to work with, the size of organization you like to be uh, associated with. Are you more inclined towards scrappy startups or well-established large organizations that have robust training programs and you know professional development opportunities, et cetera? You have to feel some of those things out. And you have the best opportunity to do that when you're early <clears throat> in your career. So first thing, embrace where you are because, you know, there's no reversing the clock. You're only going to move forward. So you've got more options early on than you'll have later on. And then probably the second thing that I would say is, um, you know, um, be sure to intentionally take something from every opportunity 
that you have. Uh, even if it's an opportunity that doesn't ultimately pan out, that doesn't ultimately wind up being your destiny. Take something from it, whether it's a learning of what you know doesn't work or, or you know, identifying a strength that you have that you never used before and you want to really cultivate or mature that further. Maybe it's a relationship. There's a particular person in that company. Even though you're going to leave the company, you want to keep in touch with that person because you just get on well with them and you learn from them. Don't think that, you know, just because you move from one opportunity to the next, you just leave stuff behind and you move. You know, a lot of people tend to tend to uh, feel like, well, I'm moving on. I'm going to, you know, I don't like this company. I'm going to move to another opportunity. That's fine. Probably are things in that last opportunity that could benefit you as you move forward. And you've got to imagine if you take a little something from each opportunity, along your journey. By the time you get mid-career, you've got quite a, a repertoire and portfolio of, of assets to lean back on, right? As opposed to thinking, I'm only going to cherry pick, you know, something once I figure out what I really want to do. Um, and I, I do see folks make that mistake where they think it's all or nothing. Sometimes it's you take a little bit from everything that you experience and you come out with, you know, just a good, solid, robust set of, of um, experiences that you can fall back on. I totally agree with, with that. You know, everyone is a work in progress. Everyone is a working portfolio. And you have to glean from all of your experiences what was uh, the, the best, most positive attribute that you got out of it, even in the most uh, daring things. And if you notice in life, as you go through the different episodes of your life, some of the most things that you really would not want to repeat again is what um, gave you the most as far as character building and and uh, just resourcefulness, resiliency, and things of those natures. Mm-hmm. Um, I truly believe that. So, so if someone wants to get in touch with you, Mark, is the best through social media, LinkedIn? I mean, what's the best way to get in touch with you? Sure, I uh, I do have active active profiles on, on LinkedIn, <clears throat> Mark Dickinson, feel free to reach out to me there. I'd love to connect. Uh, I, I'm also active on Instagram and Twitter. You can feel free to follow me. I'm probably not the most exciting person to follow, but, but uh, happy to, to have you um, follow me there. Uh, and then, uh, of course, you can reach me here at, at GenMed. Uh, you know, it's, it's mark.dickinson at chenmed.com, and I'd be happy to um, you know, help you uh, any way I can or, or explore career, you know, opportunities or share some career advice. Well, this has been wonderful from a career perspective, conversations, as well as, as business development. I wish you well. I wish your entire family well on their endeavor. I'm sure they're going to be highly successful. And remember, everyone, you can tune in to follow brand at www.5starbdm. That's B for brand. D for development and for masters, where we are building a five-star brand that you can follow. So thank you very much, Mark, for being on Follow the Brand, and we will catch up again soon. My pleasure. Thanks, Grant.